<clears throat> Last week we had the opportunity to celebrate Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And it's our faith that uh, takes us uh, to that place, that gives us confidence that those events happened. And out of that, out of that, and the cross, where is it? Out of that weekend, we bring and we come with hope. And it was one of our, our small group sessions one night that um, a favorite sister of mine said, you know, we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about hope. It's very closely related to faith, a little bit different, but we don't talk about it enough. And that was uh, my inspiration for this morning because it fits so well with communion. Um, so this morning, I'd, I'd like to talk about hope in the context of the world, what it looks like. Um, we'll, we'll travel through the Old Testament briefly, looking at some of the themes of hope, and then, of course, in the New Testament. As I, as I got into the, uh, into the topic, I realized it was like a, an iceberg. There's so much more to it than meets the eye. And it's a huge topic. We could, we could be here for a month of Sundays, and I plan on having lunch soon. So uh, put you to rest on that one. <clears throat> as, I, as I thought about hope in the world, um, I, I, I came up with a lottery ticket. And I was going to buy one, but I thought, you know, if I showed a lottery ticket here, some of you would vote me off the finance committee for sure. <laughs> others, others of you would, as they say, take a trip and leave the farm. You wouldn't hear any of the rest of the story because you'd be wondering, is he going to share that with me if he wins? And, you know, how, how that could go. But, but the, the idea of a lottery ticket and hope uh, really fits because it's kind of a consumable hope, a consumable hope where you buy one, you use it, then you buy another one, <laughs> and it keeps on going. And I know how this works. My, my father-in-law used to give us lottery tickets in our Christmas stockings when he was alive. And in my own brain, <clears throat> it was like, you get the ticket, and then all of a sudden you start thinking about, what would I do with all that money? And all the problems, all the family issues, all the things around Christmas, gone. Because I was thinking about, what would it be like? And then I got to thinking about, now, what would it be like if I won? Well, I'd buy Rudy golf lessons. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe Dave Bozek would get a new Ford Explorer. And I'd buy Willem a sailboat. And some of you, um, you know, it would be fun just to share that around. But you see where I'm going already, my mind has left this message. <laughs> I'm thinking about what it would be like if, if I won. Well, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we think about all these possibilities. We get so caught up in, in buying tickets that we forget the real-life issues that are current, the problems that come with it. And there are some problems that come with buying lottery tickets. One is that there's usually only one combination of numbers that wins. Everybody else is a loser. Um, and there's a lot of competition. Millions of people, millions, buy these tickets. 
And, and the odds, anybody here know what the odds are for 649? One in 14. Yeah. One in 14 million. <laughs> one in 14 million. But it gets better. The lotto max, one in 28 million. So think about those odds for just a minute. There's no guarantees. There's constant disappointment. And, and what if you did win? What if you did win? How long would that dream last? Only as long as the money. And what would it cost you? Would it cost you friends and family? Would it cost you your integrity? Um, and here's the tough one for me, is who, who would be in control? Who would be in control? Would it be God? Or would it be the money? And so you can see where this path is going in terms of you know, repetition. And you're on a high... Is it on Wednesday they, they announce these things? Wednesdays or Saturdays? On a high, you're, you're waiting for that number to come, and then all of a sudden you're down again. And so you buy another ticket, and uh, on it goes, and then you crash time and time again. But as my wife has been known to tell me, you can't win unless you buy a ticket. Um, obviously, I had trouble buying one, so you know where I come from. Anyway, Paul had some advice on this, and it was in 1 Timothy. He said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Dave, could you get me a glass of water? Thank you. Not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Well, there is a better way. There is a better hope, and that's what I'd like to focus on this morning. In the Old Testament, there are themes and stories galore that illustrate both faith and hope. And they're themes of judgment and restoration, exile and rescue, failed leadership and God's provision, unfaithfulness and reconciliation. The, the, the essence of, of hope can be seen in the promises of God made to his people time and again. Thank you. The prophecies and promises that were given long before the reality came into being are filled with great examples of hope. And it's through those Old Testament stories that we began to see the true character of God. That time and time again the people disappointed, they failed they took their eyes off of him, and he was still there for them, constantly there for them. But God is faithful, and, and he's the one in whom they put their hope. Think about some of these stories with Noah and his family. As he heard this voice saying, I'm going to flood this place, and you better build that boat. And all of his neighbors are saying, you're a crazy man. Building a boat out there on the, on the prairies doesn't make any sense at all. But God put his hope, or Noah put his hope in God's word. Abraham and his journey, looking for the promised land. Incredible hope. And I'd like to read you a passage out of Romans 4.18 about Abraham and Sarah. It says, <clears throat> against all hope, Abraham in hope 
believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's hope. Looking at the situation and it's impossible, worldly impossible, but putting our hope in God. And that that saw them through, and and we know the rest of that story. The psalmist also declared um, the message of hope repeatedly. Just a couple examples. Be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord, be strong. Take courage. All you who hope in the Lord. And, and But now, Lord, what, what do I look for? What do I look for? Where do I go? What should I choose? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. One major theme of hope in the Old Testament is, is about a Messiah king. A king who would deliver the Jews and establish a new kingdom. And in the time of Jesus, we all know that The Jews were hoping for somebody new besides the Roman conquerors. They wanted a deliverance from the Roman rule. And and the book of Zechariah, just to give some examples of the prophecies that instilled hope in the people during that time. Um, Zechariah prophesied that there would be a a king coming to Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey. Jerusalem's enemies would be destroyed. There would be cleansing from sin and impurity. Well, how did that happen? And through whom? The Lord will be king over the whole earth, and there will be one Lord. By speaking these prophecies, the nation was was given hope. Hope of a new king, of a new leader. A Messiah was coming. So as we look back at the Old Testament, we see the, the patterns of how people continually disappointed God, how he allowed them to experience captivity, poverty, pain, defeat, and suffering, and yet through it all, he remained their God and they remained his people. He never stopped loving them, and they learned to continue to put their hope in, in the Lord. This, this next passage from from Romans is, is Paul's words. He says, For everything that was written in the former times was written for our instruction so that through endurance and through encouragement of these scriptures, we too may have hope. So let's use the Old Testament as, as the teaching ground, as the foundation, as these tremendous stories of how through hope God's people were able to carry on and put their trust in the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, there's a lot of material. But before we go on, I'd I'd like to ask you, what is it that you hope for? What does it look like? Who and what do you put your hope and trust in? You know, as we look at this table and the cross, the emblems of of Christ's body and and the remembrance of his gift to us, his sacrifice, Our hope begins there, and it continues. 
The blessings that come to us through his death and resurrection are key to what comes next, and they are key to our hope. Our hope in what comes next. Here's just a few of the things that come as a result of Christ's sacrifice. And these are not new to any of us. That we've been adopted into his family as children with a promised inheritance. A promised inheritance. The forgiveness of our sins and God's grace comes from these events. And and the Lord, and look at the contrast of what what has happened for us as a result of, of Christ's death and resurrection. Paul captures a lot of these and and he just says, you know, you were dead in your transgressions and sin and now you are made alive in Christ. What a contrast. You were lost, aimless, but now you're found. You were living in darkness and now you're living in light. There was hostility, hostility and alienation And now there's peace. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives within you and will be in you. Out of this death and resurrection experience, we have the promised Holy Spirit living in us. And the things that he does for us are worthy of many messages unto themselves. Jesus' death and resurrection, our hope, is paid for once. We don't have to keep going back every week. We don't have to wait for the high priest to go into the tabernacle once a year. Um, It's done. It's paid for. And we can have confidence that God is faithful as we look back at the Old Testament and as we look at the things that he's put in place for us to sustain us as we hope for what's next. I'd like to read from 1 Peter, the first chapter. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, to, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, these have come so that <clears throat> the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Our hope rests in this resurrection. Our hope rests in the God of salvation who loves us. There's no disappointment in this experience of hope that we have. 
There's no disappointment. We're not going to buy a losing ticket. It's already taken care of. And there's no shame. There's no shame to be a Christian and to have this hope which sustains us. And, and we've seen how, how it sustained you know, the people of Israel over hundreds of years. A powerful hope. We live in the second dispensation of hope and we're waiting for Jesus to return. And we wait for physical death to take us and for heaven to be our reward. In John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. What a promise. What a promise of things to look forward to, of hope. Christian hope is a matter of faith that is characterized by confidence as opposed to chance, random selection, doubt, or wishful thinking. We don't have to wonder if our ticket's going to be the one that wins, and we're not in competition with anybody else. Jesus has paid the price, and we have evidence of that in the Scriptures. In 1 Peter um, chapter 1, uh, Peter writes, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed at his coming. Be obedient, children. But just as he who is called, who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So we need to persevere. <clears throat> and that's what the writer of Hebrews has said. We need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. When you've done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. Just like all those people in the, what is the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the faith chapter, all those heroes of the faith are going to be with us when hope is realized. Paul said in Galatians 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly wait by faith. Sorry, for, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for what we hope. It's what we desire. It's what we live for and for what we eagerly wait. <clears throat> As we focus on the communion celebration this morning. We focus on the apex of history in the theme of hope that God has been, that he is, and will continue to be faithful to his children, faithful to his character, and faithful to his promises. In those things we can rest assured. Through him, that is Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. I think this, this topic needs a bit more work because there's so much information there that suggests that our hope is not necessarily in 
heaven. Our hope is not necessarily in all the wonderful things Jesus has done for us, but our hope is in God. He's the constant. All this other stuff is marvelous, but our hope is in God and the things that he's done for us. I believe that hope has a significant aspect of our, is a significant aspect of our faith. Um, but he is the one on whom we have our